Welcome to Gone Fishing, a show diving into the cybersecurity threats that surround our highly connected lives. Every human is different. Every person has unique vulnerabilities that expose them to potentially successful social engineering. On this show, we'll discuss human vulnerability and how it relates to unique individuals. I'm Connor Swam, CEO of FinSecurity, and welcome to Gone Fishing. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Gone Fishing. I'm your host, Connor, CEO at Finn, and I am joined once again by Alexis Kozart, cybersecurity analyst from Edge Networks. Alexis, how are you today? I'm great, Connor. How are you? Are any better at be a twin? I'm having a blast. Oh, I love that. That's awesome. <laughs> so we had you on a podcast episode where we talked about why securing small businesses is so important, how to help doing that, what MSPs do in general what Edge Networks does. Uh, And today we're talking about the most, this is what you've written here, the most important cybersecurity defense is the human element. So I would love to open the floor up and just ask you, what do you mean by the human element? Oh yeah, absolutely. So the human element, being in cybersecurity, cybersecurity is a constantly evolving field where you have to be learning continuously. And I've heard so many people speak on the human element being the weakest link. And something about that has always rubbed me the wrong way, because I think that your human element can be your your weakest link, but it can also be your strongest defense. Um, It all depends on how you approach it and how you educate your users. So um, the human element really is your people. And so that can be in both cyber and physical security uh, for physical things like don't let people tailgate, uh, don't pick up random USB drives you find on the ground and plug them in. We all know how that uh, has historically ended. Um, and on the cyber side of things, you know, if someone says, hey, please change my accounting number uh, before the next payment round, do your employees know what to do? Do they know how to verify? Do they know even to verify? Um, so all of these things are examples of, you know, how can the human element impact your cybersecurity defense for the better or for the worse. Yeah. I always try to think about it this way is anytime I hear uh, folks talking about the human element or being the weakest link, I ask them a simple question is, all right, so that means there's a, a not weakest link. Okay. What is that? And they say some variation of technology or software or computers, they don't make mistakes, whatever. But then I go back to, well, who, built those computers, who wrote the software that goes on those computers, you know, maybe Copilot was there for with GitHub or whatever. So AI had a, had a hand in it. But for the most part, right, until artificial general intelligence exists at a point where we don't need to be involved to do anything, right. uh, humans, humans are going to be there. And as a result, it's like, okay, well, you think humans are the weakest link, then that means all of this is the weakest link because it's all because humans. Um, right. And a very careful point I always try to make is even though humans always get the blame for security breaches. And, you know, even Verizon's data breach investigation report, which I reference all the time because those stats work wonderfully for all of our marketing, like 86% of breaches involve a human. I always make sure to point out that, um, let's make sure to point out that in order for a human to be in a position where their mistake could materially affect the business via a breach or something like that, all of your software has to fail first. So it's like your email gateway, Microsoft Defender, your uh, EDR, if you're doing MDR, the company who's managing your EDR, the antivirus, the anti-malware stuff that you may have, scanning attachments in, in and out of your email and on the device, or all of that has to fail yeah. in order for that human's mistake to do anything. 
Yeah, that's a great point. You know, historically, my my stance has been that you can have the best tools in the world. Um, but if you have the, the wrong human element, you know, it can still cost you. I would argue that even still for things like, um, I'd argue that processes still, though, are, are kind of one of the weak links. So, you know, we recently saw some of the major cyber attacks uh, that happened in Vegas because someone called the help desk and the help desk didn't correctly verify. Um, so I'd say in that case, they probably had some fantastic security tools on board. But ultimately, you know, uh, as we are are really in a landscape of so many different tools that really have to work together, um, but they're not quite fully integrated yet. And, and I mean, that can be a good thing, uh, being vendor agnostic and, you know, choosing the best fit regardless of vendor, um, I think is very important, but because they're not all integrated, if someone gets access into a system through something like O365, because help desk reset their password for them, um, that would show as authorized access in those other tools. So, um, I think it is so interesting how, how that all falls into play. I do as well. I, I always have conversations to two folks that uh, I think have been on this podcast, Tom Lawrence and Jason Slagle, who both work at MSPs. Uh, we always uh, we always chatted about is like if an MSP buys a tool and then does nothing with it, like for the client, or a client buys a tool and then does nothing right. with it. Have you created security? It's like, no, <laughs> no. It's like it's the proper deployment, the proper management, the proper understanding, reporting, seeing incidents, scanning things, looking at all the data that's coming through. Uh, and verifying things are going according to plan. It's like there's this whole support system that has to exist behind buying and deploying the tool in order for any security to be created first. Oh, yeah. Uh, some of the most heart heart dropping moments of my career have been uh, coming into an existing or not an existing client environment, but uh, poking around for a new client and finding that something that they've been paying for for years is not even deployed. Uh, you know, storage space that they signed up for for backups. Their backups weren't happening, um, and so so thankful that we we're able to come in and get that sorted for them. But um, it's definitely a very heart dropping moment. And uh, even thinking further about the, you know, how does the failure of the of the tools and how does the the failure of the human element kind of come into play? Um, if you don't mind, I'd love to share uh, a crazy story with you about. Let's hear it. So we, um, once upon a time, we're, we're right in the sales process with a, a prospective MSSP customer. And they contacted us and said, you know, hey, I think that we've been hacked. Um, I know that we haven't been onboarded yet, but is there anything that we can do? And, you know, so we jumped in and did everything we could. And it was... Um, just the most fascinating, complex uh, business email compromise uh, scenario and vendor impersonation fraud all kind of mixed together. Um, but someone had gotten to someone's account, likely through you know a phishing email. And from there, one of the craziest things I saw were you know it multiple uh, internal employees were being impersonated with a very similar but one letter off domain. Um, so it was difficult because we couldn't, all we could really do is try to get the domain shut down. But these two impersonated employees were going back and forth with one of the company's actual vendors. Um, and so it wasn't just one bad actor necessarily communicating with the vendor to try to convince them to change payment systems. They'd also taken uh, advantage of 
a recent cybersecurity event that was in the news. So the context made sense. Um, But these two colleagues were going back and forth in the thread, colleagues, air quotes, um, with the vendor. So it made it seem extremely realistic. They pulled a an email signature that had been in the legitimate email signatures recently, um, which was a very uh, a short window that it was in there. And so they were going back and forth and one of them even called the vendor and the vendor was still none the wiser. Um, so, you know, things like business email compromise where you do get an email from an expected person and the context makes sense because they use something like ChatGPT, they use AI to make the wording fit previous context. Um, and those that are, you know, really in it for more dedicated attempts don't necessarily send those links or attachments that may be flagged uh, by things like Microsoft or, or other email tools. So it is really fascinating and, and terrifying to see the reality of, of what that can look like. And one thing I've actually been advising our customers lately is if you get an email that, that doesn't seem right, you know, I mean, don't respond to it, but if you respond back to it asking for verification, if it seems like maybe a compromised vendor, if you respond back asking questions, what we've noticed is that the attackers will come back and their wording will no longer sound so clean and professional and perfect because they only used AI to write the initial phishing email. Um, so that's been a really, a really funny thing that we've actually noticed lately. That's an example of not only business email compromise, but how AI is probably going to impact mm-hmm. phishing and social engineering and all this stuff. I um, I did a previous podcast episode, but I really think of social engineering, there's there's two types of phishing. There's this incredibly targeted attack. The one that you just described is insane. It's like they knew about this company. They knew that they used certain vendors. They bought a domain. They, they probably had a fake website. Then they created fake uh, rapport by generating like conversation. And then there's like the scatter shot of like the, hey, I'm your long lost relative from Poland. Give me 200 bucks and I can send you $40 million. Um, and I always... Uh, I always try to do this. The It's like, what's going to happen? What's AI's impact actually going to be on these two things? It's like, well, for the incredibly targeted one, it's like mm-hmm. they didn't get that information by leveraging AI. They probably had it via some other source. It's like, so their conversation is going to get better, but I don't know that they're targeting will. For the scattershot, it's like, you better get really good at detecting phishing because it's not going to be from bad grammar anymore. It's not going to be from stupid grammatical mistakes or weirdly worded English if it's not your first language. It's going right. to be... Perfect. Um, and uh, I actually saw a really good point. Someone said, and weirdly enough, being completely perfect grammatically is now also going to stand out because nobody's perfect yeah. grammatically. That's so funny. Actually, uh, my my significant other yesterday had sent me a message in the middle of the day and he was asking if he thought that a a post from a from a friend was real or not. Um, and, you know, I recently... I love I love receiving these kinds of inquiries, even from uh, even when I'm not at work, because, you know, I actually recently shared on my LinkedIn a personal story about um, a friend of mine being compromised. But um, exactly what you're saying, what he had noticed, you know, the friend asked, you know, what were the red flags? And the answer was it seemed too professional to be posted on Facebook like that language was was off to me. And it did end up being a legitimate email, but you're exactly right. Now people are starting to question um, the legitimacy. And so we've even started to shout out some 
some template responses to emails that seem just a little bit off. So an example could be, hey, so-and-so, due to company policy, I'm not allowed to open unexpected links or attachments. Uh, Is this related to our customer and their project about XYZ? Um, Or something similar to that, to just kind of give all of our customers that resource of, oh, well, you know, it seems off, but I maybe don't want to wait now and have someone from security verify. I, I feel maybe a little bit embarrassed reaching out to, to ask, you know, maybe I don't want to call them. And so this is the template that we've given, you know, just question it and explain that for security reasons, you know, I can't open that. And even that's an episode of our security awareness training we sent out months ago that I just thought was so fantastic was it, it made the point of blame it on the company. The company is happy to be the bad guy. Say, my company doesn't allow me to click that um, until you give me an explanation. And then if the explanation comes back and seems off too, that's your that's your second red flag. So that makes a ton of sense. What um what kind of strategies do you use or do you think companies should use to build up all of the humans, not just those in the security team? Um, and actually, I, I've gone through an analogy. I played lacrosse in college, and my coach makes us raise our hand one day. He says, raise your hand if you play defense. Only the defenders raise their hand. Right. It makes us all run till we puke. And then we come back and he goes, now tell me who here plays defense. All of us raise our hand. And he goes, that's right. All of you play defense just on different sides of the field. So I always make a point to explain to not only security folk, but everyone who's not in security. It's like your, your place in security is not reviewing uh, alerts in a sock. But it's yeah. definitely in reporting incidents that you see or seeing suspicious behavior on your computer or elsewhere and reporting it. So how do you help humans understand where their place in security is and help them you know, build this human element? Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of it comes down to how you build the culture. And that's something that is very much one of my passions. Um, you know, speaking of, uh, you know, it is everyone's it's everyone's concern. It's everyone's job. I actually have a shirt that I got in college uh, from my my cybersecurity department that says cybersecurity is everyone's problem. And it's so right. Um, cybersecurity is everyone's problem. And it's, you know, cybersecurity's job to look into things. But um, as far as being able to recognize uh, phishing and other, you know, attempted cyber attacks, that really does come down to the human and reporting when something seems off. I would much rather take a quick look than have to deal with a full-blown incident. So um, as far as how we build that culture, um, a lot of what we like to do is encourage people to shout it out, uh, be a whistleblower, not only because it can um, it can you know make everyone else in the company aware of hey, don't click this. Uh, I almost fell for it or I did fall for it and no one else click it uh, can be so beneficial, but also because it can be a little bit fun, even once you get the hang of it and start even like maybe making a little bit of fun of the the phishing emails and saying, look at that. They couldn't even use, you know, uh, an email address that looked like the actual sender or like, hmm, sure, I'm definitely going to click that link. You know, um, it can really facilitate bonding even if you do it right. I think that prioritizing, you know, not punishing people for saying, hey, this is a phishing email. I might have clicked on it, um, but I realize now that it's phishing, let's report it. I think that encouraging people to uh, speak out and assuring them that they're not going to be in trouble, um, but just encouraging that conversation, I think, goes so, so far. Yeah, I think that's really wise is you don't want to punish the behavior that you'd really like to see. What behavior would we like to see? 
it's almost right. like the TSA's see something, say something. Exactly. Uh, it's like if your computer and, mouse is moving on its own and doing weird stuff, you know, report that. But And some people even say, uh, see something, do something, um, yeah. especially in cybersecurity. You know, see something, make a ticket. See something, go over to your boss's desk and say, hey, is this the right email or phone number for this person? So I think building that culture and um, even rewarding when possible uh, might look different for every company, but um, even just rewarding, you know, hey, we had only like one click on our phishing simulations this quarter. That's a huge improvement. Let's celebrate. Um, can be hugely powerful and make it a really positive thing. Awesome. For folks who wanted to connect with you or Edge Networks, where would you suggest they do that? Yeah, um, I'll provide everything to be linked in the show notes, but uh, we're on LinkedIn as Edge Networks. Um, specifically, if you go to my LinkedIn, Alexis Kozart, I love to uh, post a lot of things to kind of help give you some of those tidbits of knowledge and, and context and stories without um, additional trainings. So I would love to connect with you there. Awesome. Uh, for folks, we will have all of that in the show notes. So feel free to connect with Alexis or Edge Networks. Uh, and Alexis, thanks so much for joining me today. I had a blast chatting with you. You as well. Thanks, Connor. Awesome. See you all in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to find out more about creating high-quality security awareness training campaigns that engage employees and change their habits, then check out FinSecurity at phinsec.io or click the link in our show notes. Thanks for fishing with me. See you next time.